Welcome to NC Retold. A place where we get to know North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Corey George. Today's episode of NC Retold is brought to us by Pilot Surveying and Engineering, providing civil engineering and land surveying services across the Carolinas. Check them out on the web at www.pilotse.com. Today, our guest is a 14-year Friends of the Mountains to Sea Trail veteran and environmental conservationist, ladies and gentlemen, Kate Dixon. Kate, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I think this will be, I think this will be great. I think you've got an interesting story to tell, and I think that a lot of people are going to be interested in hearing about the Mountains to Sea Trail, which may be one of the best kept secrets in North Carolina. Well, we're trying to make it less or more better, well, more better known. Whoops. We certainly want it more known. So you've been the executive director for the Mountains to Sea Trail for nearly 14 years. What sparked your interest in trails and hiking in general? Well, I guess um, both um, my love of natural land and um, I've always been a hiker, more of a day hiker, but a, a really avid hiker. And the other thing about the Mountains to Sea Trail is that it just seemed like a way to do conservation and work in communities um, all across North Carolina. Um, and it was just, just seemed just an extraordinary fun opportunity. So you are not from North Carolina originally. So where are you from and what brought you here? Okay. So I'm actually originally from New Jersey, central New Jersey. And um, most people who aren't from New Jersey think of um, New Jersey as like, what exit are you from or whatever. But when I was a kid, actually, I grew up in an incredibly rural part of New Jersey. And um, my aunt says um, that when she comes to North Carolina, it kind of reminds her of that because it was just like really small towns in really or rural area. Um, but I moved here, um, actually when, after graduate school, my husband and I were in graduate school in Tucson, Arizona. We, I was studying watershed management and he was getting a degree in environmental, um, engineering and, um, he found Arizona just way too dry. <laughs> so, um, he started looking for jobs and got a job here. And I feel like I'm just so lucky. Um, it's, I love the state and I've been so, lucky to be able to work um, on projects that have helped me not only see the natural beauty of North Carolina and have a role in helping to protect it, but also meeting people um, all over the state. It's just been really gloriously fun. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that. I, I would believe that the people of North Carolina, and, and in my opinion, uh, as a North Carolina native, that North Carolina may be one of the more diverse states as culturally just from the mountains to the sea. I think that's true. Yeah. So so you moved here from Tucson, Arizona. What what job did you get when you moved here? Well, soon after I moved here, I was hired by the Triangle Land Conservancy, which is the land trust that works in six counties in the Triangle area. And um, I was actually the first full-time person hired and became the executive director, um, the first one they ever had. Uh, really, really fun. Um, I got to know, like, a whole lot about those six counties. Right. 
And so this has been a way for me to learn more about like 37 counties with working with the trail. Okay. Well, that's, that's really cool. The, so, so what pulled you away from the Triangle Land Conservancy? And wh- how did you end up at the Mountains to Sea Trail? And this is not a new idea, right? The Mountains to Sea Trail, I think, is a little bit older than people realize, or at least the idea of it. Tell me a little bit about that. So the trail was actually first proposed in 1977. It has a really wonderful beginning story. Um, a man named Howard Lee, um, who uh, just extraordinary political um, inspirational leader in North Carolina. He was the first uh, um, black man elected as uh, um, lead mayor of a, of a southern city since Reconstruction when he was elected as mayor of Chapel Hill in the 1960s. And in Governor Hunt's first term in 1977, he appointed um, Howard Lee as his first secretary of, I think the department was then called Natural Resources and Community Development, and it was the department that had state parks as part of it. And that was a time in the U.S. overall, but also really in lots of states, including North Carolina, um, lots and lots of focus on trails. The National Trails Act had passed in the 1960s, 1968, and a lot of states were starting to get into trail development. And we had a a really creative, um, amazing leader of state trails then named Jim Halsey, and he had started playing around with this idea, you know, how could we build a trail across the state? And in 1977, um, a group of North Carolina leaders um, invited or convinced um, a national organization to hold the big national trails conference at Lake Junaluska, which is just outside Waynesville. And they invited Howard Lee to give a speech. And he is an amazing speaker. He's really, really wonderful. And he was really excited about this idea for a statewide trail. So he um, proposed the trail at the trail conference. And as you can imagine, people would just really love the idea. Sure. But then what happened was um, it's just an incredibly challenging project. I mean, really, to I think at the time it was envisioned that, oh, this would be 450 miles long. But really, as you know, it's now 1,175 right. miles long. So to be able to build something like that um, is just a huge undertaking. So there was a big, big effort at the beginning. And then it I think it just sort of started to feel overwhelming. And it seemed like everything was sort of slowing down. And um, we had a, the founder of our organization as a man named Alan DeHart, and he was worried the state was going to just drop it. And so in 1977, so a whole 20 years after the, the speech, what we call the speech, right. he, um, he started Friends of the MST. And it's been um, just a really great way to pull volunteers and members and just sort of keep everything going. So even if something slows down for a while in a particular area, if you're building 1,175 miles, it's sure there's going to be something yeah, going on You've always somewhere. got something to work on or yeah. something to maintain. Yeah. So do we share any uh, mileage with the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, it's about three and a half miles, that's all. But it's right at the western um, beginning of the trail in, in the Great Smokies. It's a Clingman's Dome. Okay. And that's where the trail starts or ends, depending on which way you're yeah. going. I mean, do you have anybody that walks from east to west? It's probably half and half, actually. Because really? one thing about the MST is that it's um, it just depending on the time of year, it makes sense to start if you're, you know, whatever time you're starting to right. figure out what's the best place to be at that particular point. Right. So. So coming from, you, you said you were in Arizona, um, 
I mean, Arizona has lots of, uh, you know, there's some national parks in Arizona with some hiking. So do you, do you think that is maybe what sparked a little bit of your interest? Did you do a bunch of hiking in the West? Do you still hike in the Rockies? Um, I mean, so we go every once in a while out, out West and, um, I definitely, that was the first place I lived where there was just public land everywhere. Um, and we lived in Tucson. So like it was, it's a really cool city in that you just look around and you identify all the mountain ranges around you and right. then you know what the public lands are there, that kind of thing. So, um, that was a really extraordinary experience. Yeah. So uh, out of curiosity, what, what kind of elevation difference are we talking about from Clingman's Dome to Jockey's Ridge, yeah. where it ends? Yeah. So, well, um, Clingman's Dome is a little bit shorter than um, Mount Mitchell. So that's 6,600 feet, something like that. And then you're down. But uh, don't forget that Jockey's Ridge is the highest sand dune on the eastern shore. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. It could be like 100 <laughs> and something feet. Okay. Um so if you had, I mean, have you walked the whole trail? I've walked about 600 miles of it. So. 600 miles of it. And you do day hikes or roughly day hikes. Um, for somebody that's getting into hiking, somebody that might have just moved here, what do you think would be the best MST hike to get started on? And should they prepare to backpack some of it? So there are certain parts of it that are really hard to do if you don't backpack. Um, but most of it is really accessible for day hiking. So places that are – the two places that are really hard to um, to just day hike are parts of the Great Smokies or um, particularly in Pisgah National Forest in what we call Segment 4. Um, there are just long, long stretches between roads. And, the you know, if you were going to shuttle your car, it's just long. Um, so I would really advise that anybody um, that you try and figure out how you're going to backpack. And it's a wonderful experience when you do it, too. So um, in terms of, of, like, where are places to um, check it out, get started, we actually uh, last two marches ago, uh, March 2020, just before the pandemic hit, um, we wrote a book that was published by UNC Press called Great Day Hikes of the MSD. And it's 40 okay. different Great. hikes. And it was, um, we, we purposely were, we chose hikes, at least two hikes in every one of the 18 segments because we were really trying to give people a taste of what the MST is like. So it really is a great way to sort of explore not only the trail, but also North Carolina. You really see a big diversity of stuff. Right. So speaking of the impact of COVID, what have you has there been any trends have you seen an impact i mean i think i read some statistics somewhere that like hanging rock state park for example even though it was closed for six months has seen just a 20 30 percent increase in visitors even though they were closed for six months and they expect that trend to continue do you think that covid had an impact on people wanting to get out and see more and realize that they've been stuck in their urban suburban bubble or even at their house for too long uh, do you think that that trend's going to continue so it it's been amazing um just the increased use and um one way that we see it is that our volunteers just maintaining the trails um they're out work working and they just report that there are just so many more people um 
Um, and also the wear and tear on the trails actually has also been, particularly because it's been so wet during the same period of right. time, and that's been pretty challenging. Not not that we're complaining. I mean, we're really glad to have people out and enjoy. I think it. that's a good problem to have. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing that we've seen is just, well, like particularly right after um, um, the everything was shut down. Our website, just the number of hits on our website was just astronomical. And I remember one time, um, we have a staff member who maintains all of the hiking information on the, on the website. And we were doing everything we could to keep that information up to date because, for example, as you're mentioning, um, state parks had closed for a while and we wanted our website to be really accurate about what was happening at the time. And so he was always on the pages, you know, fixing them. And he was on one. He was on one time, and he he emailed me. Said there were sixty people on the page at the same time that he was there. Like he could tell that from Google right. or whatever. Um, so it was just kind of crazy. People were just looking and looking for information. And actually, our um, our membership has almost doubled. Wow. Uh, it's really That's awesome. It's really awesome. Hopefully yeah. donations have doubled too. <laughs> lots more lots more. Now do you giving. do you work closely with the state parks routinely? I mean the the, the MST goes through several of the state parks and mm-hmm. so h- how much coordination do you have to do with them? I mean even in general. So I'd answer that in two ways. One is that um, the trail does go through um, individual parks and wherever the trail is actually um, whoever the land manager is. So it could be state parks or it could be the Blue Ridge Parkway or it could be the North Carolina Forest Service. Whoever owns that land is our primary relationship on that part of the trail. So they're the ones who make the ultimate decisions about you know, who can actually, like even who can use it. Will it be just hikers or might it be um, bike riders or whatever? Right. Um, so for our for our volunteers who are maintaining the trail, for example, that's their first relationship. Um, but the other thing about the Mountains to Sea Trail is it's an official unit of the state parks system. Um, it's kind of a weird animal if you think about state parks in general in that they never expect to own all of it. So um, it's always a big partnership project. But because they are really the lead for it, we work with them all the time. Um, and um, they uh, we've developed just this really cooperative relationship. It just really feels really good and supportive right now where we're able to do a lot of things and help expand their reach. Um, so... That's good. Are you are you co-sponsoring, or is there some sort of events that help bring awareness to the MST and state parks? Um, could you you know is there some big annual event that we should all write down on our calendars to go you know race <laughs> on the MST or some sort of completion deadline? So, uh, well, in terms of events, we do um, two big events a year. Um, one is what we call our Gathering of Friends. And actually in 2022, which will be the 45th anniversary of the, of the speech, um, back at you know, the big, very beginning of the trail, we're going to hold it um, for the first time since 1977 at Lake Junaluska, where oh, the speech okay. was given. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be, I think, April 8th through 10th. 
April 8th through the 10th, yes. 2022. Noted. Noted, yes. And then the other thing that we do every year, it's once again building on on the speech, the speech is everything, um, is we do what we call the birthday hike, um, which we just generally do in September. Okay. And every year we develop sort of challenges for like um, this year it's going to be can you hike – it's the 44th anniversary of the trail. So it's can you hike 44 miles on the MST over the course of the um, – over the course of the month. Or, okay. Or can you um, – if you make a donation of $44, you'll get a special patch or you know, things like that. Okay. So, well, that yeah. sounds cool. And one thing we don't have a great idea for, but if any of your listeners have it, let us know. But somebody was – one of our good members said, "You know, I looked up what if what you're supposed what gift you're supposed to give on the forty fourth anniversary. It's groceries. So <laughs> we're trying to figure out what to do with that. Maybe we maybe we sneak the trail down around Lexington and hit some barbecue as a part of the trail. On the way, exactly. We do have some really great, um, like uh, for example, I think of the Pretty's General Store, which is right outside Danbury, and they're." Um, you can get groceries there right on the on the MST. So, so having hiked a significant portion, I mean, sixty percent of the trail. What's your favorite section? Um, that's really hard to answer. I, well, I mean, honestly, aside I from the Pilot Mountain area, <laughs> you know, shout out to Pilot Mountain State Park. Aside from Pilot Mountain and the Saratown Mountain Range, well, exactly right. We're right. Where you know, we're who who, who are we? Who are we arguing about for for second place? Well. I, I know it's sort of a cop-out, but it really is true that I sort of tend to fall in love with where I'm working the most at a particular time. So um, one thing I've done is um, I one of the big things that I've focused on in my time here is trying to get um, more trail built in the coastal plain. And that actually was an inspiration to me in terms of being interested in working on the trail. There were lots of things that interested me, but the when I started – there wasn't really any trail in the coastal plain. And actually, as I think about it, I don't think there was anything from Raleigh until you got down to New Bern. Um, That's a significant stretch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so people who were then, the route that we had for through hikers um, was all on country roads um, that where you didn't pass a park, you didn't pass, you got a lot of agriculture. It was beautiful land, um, but nothing where you had a real sense of the community no way of interacting with people really and um and i just was really intrigued like how do we make the trail happen there and um and and help people get a better sense of what that part of north carolina is like and uh, one of the big things we ended up doing was developing a whole new route for the trail so there are two ways of doing the coastal plain now one is you can paddle the noose river and that's actually a really great way to um, not only do you have the natural experience of paddling paddling the Noose River, but it also the the river goes right into downtown Smithfield. It goes right to downtown Kinston. It goes right to downtown New Bern. So you can you know experience those towns. Um, but the other thing we did was we created a whole new route called that we call the Coastal Crescent, and it's now an official part of the MST. The legislature added it in 2017. And we have a route there. And um, we chose that because that part of North Carolina has so many significant natural areas. It's actually one of the um, most 
uh, diverse biologically diverse areas in the entire U.S. And most people in North Carolina don't really know very much about it. It's beautiful. It's um, and it's just and also lots of history and interesting culture. And so, because of that being such a big project that I've worked on, and I've gotten to know so many people there, and there's so much progress happening there right now, that's a an area that um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite area, but it's one that I've really fallen for that a lot of people don't know about so much. So, being that it um, it goes through Duplin County, it doesn't go through Duplin. Oh, so, I mean, how are you going to stop at the winery and get you a, <laughs> get you a nice bottle on the way? That's a good question. So, if it's not your favorite, what's your favorite? What's my favorite? You're just I'm just not going to answer that question. Okay. Sorry. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So, what do you think the biggest challenges is for the MST? I mean, is it hurdles of private land ownership, and you know, people want the MST just not in my backyard or people are hesitant to give up easements because they don't want people traveling through their property. I mean, there's a lot of private land ownership between Clingman's Dome and Jockey's Ridge. So what, what does the future look like and what kind of hurdles are you overcoming or is there any barriers that you're not able to break through? I mean, what, what's kind of, what's the next step? What's the future look like? So I, I think that that issue of getting more of the trail off the road is the big issue. And um, now the trail, as I mentioned, is 1,175 miles long if you were going to through hike. Um, but And 720 of that are on trail or beach or unpaved forest road. So we've made really significant progress. But there's still that leaves 455 miles that are on roads. And, there, and most of that is concentrated in either the coastal plain or in the uh, northern Piedmont. And mo- in the Piedmont, the area, the challenge, the immediate challenge, I think, is that issue of private landowners. And I don't even know that um, it's that private landowners are necessarily opposed to it. Like in right in your in the part of the state that you're from. There are two really great examples of private landowners being just incredibly generous and willing to allow trail on their land. The first one is the Sauertown Trail, which in the 1980s, um, the Sauertown Trails Association went to private landowners and asked them for permission to build trail. And they were able to build a um, continuous 22-mile trail. And that, because it's not permanent easements, there's been... Um, loss of some of that. Some of those landowners have changed their minds, but still that shows this incredible generosity of spirit that people are willing to do that. Um, the other area where landowners have been um, really generous is in between Elkin and Stone Mountain State Park. Um, there's a group of volunteers in the Elkin area who have reached out to landowners and been unbelievably successful in convincing landowners to to allow the trail across their land. And I think the biggest challenge in doing that is that, and what happened in both of those particular instances, is that local people who really knew a lot of the landowners did the asking. And, um, and a lot of people, honestly, are afraid to do that. So it's like some first you have to find the volunteer who's willing to do that, or you need to have the organization that has the capacity to do it. 
And we now have um, reached a point where, as an organization, we're starting to, for the first time, get involved in that ourselves. So we are in the, we right now are working on trying to acquire four different tracks. They're all in the coastal plain. Um, so you're buying land for the trail. For the trail, yeah. Um, and what we've, in the particular, the, the projects that we're working on, the situation in the coastal plain is that um, a lot of that land is really wet. And so you may have really large acreages of public land. Um, for example, one of the tracks that we're trying to acquire is adjacent to uh, a state natural area that's about 15,000 acres of land. It's big. Um, but we don't have any trail there because there's no way to get in and build continuous trail because it's so wet with the land that they own right now. And so we have a really talented um, staff member, though, who's done all of the um, work to figure out, well, if we bought X, Y, and Z, could we get the trail through? And he's figured out the two tracks, about th- um, it's about 300 acres of land total, that if we could buy that land, we could have 22 miles of trail. Wow. So um, that sort of strategic thinking and um, and that's that's how we're proceeding on that. So as far as the trail and the easements for the trail are concerned, are are you relying mostly on people to volunteer easements to Mountains to Sea Trail? Are we are you buying conservation easements or buying access easements from people? So the 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 perfect situation is that um, people would donate, and I think that. Um, just given the realities of, you know, needing 455 miles of trail, a lot of it will need to be donated. The only, the only way we would purchase a tract of land is, or an ease, or you could buy an easement too, um, would be that it's like really, really key, um, or there's something just so extraordinary about that particular place. So what about, what are the local county and municipalities doing to aid in the trail construction and easements i know lots of there's a lot of regulation especially in the triangle noose river basin you know as far as stormwater regulations that require certain buffers off streams and stuff and so the first thing that comes to mind would be you know if there's i think a lot of the uh, mst in the area that you're talking about is going should should probably go along the bank of the yadkin river mm-hmm. And so what are, what, what are you, we're doing and what are the municipalities or uh, counties doing to help you, you know, maybe keep that buffer on the river from being developed? Are they doing master plans to show that, okay, well, you know, as a part of how we want the county to move forward, we would like for this to be set aside for trail or greenway connectivity or something. Right. Uh, I would say it really varies between counties. Um, like one thing that happened, and this is actually a city of Raleigh thing, but the the trail along the Noose River in Raleigh was it was it's just required in the development regulations of the city of Raleigh. So back, I think it was actually in the 1970s, city of Raleigh said, I don't know that it was only on the Noose River, but they had particular areas where if you're going to develop land, you have to set aside land for the greenway. And so there are certain places where that's happening. There are other places where um, an example is in Alamance County that um, 
Alamance County decided that they really wanted the trail along the Haw River. And so, but they don't have regulatory ways of doing it, but they have staff. They particularly created a program so that their government is taking the lead. And that's actually, there are other places like... Um, are they incentivizing landowners yeah. to, you know, okay, we'll give you some you'll get some tax credit or something? Or, yeah. And sometimes they purchase too. It sort of depends on, that, you know, what's the key track, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's interesting. That's good that there's some help out there in getting the trail developed. Actually, another thing, another wonderful thing that um, just happened as an example of how this comes about, though, is that we have a, this is something that happened in Orange County. We have a landowner who's very, very interested in the trail and has offered to donate an easement. Um, but it doesn't, his land doesn't connect anywhere. Um, but the land next to him came up for sale and he just happened that um, it had access problems and the only way to get into it was if he would agree to allow access. And he said, well, yes, but you have to allow the trail across your land. And so one of the things is building that local support so that when something like that right. happens, the, the adjacent landowner twists arms and makes it happen. So, anyway. so would you say that there's some, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like there's probably some value. I think North Carolina, while we have a significant industry in the Triangle and Charlotte area, a lot of our rural areas rely heavily on agricultural and tourism. And so, I mean, you know, my gut tells me that this trail would be fantastic for these rural communities to, to, to increase tourism. And I would imagine, I would say that even in the Appalachian Mountains and in, in, in the foothills, and, you know, historically those cultures have been hesitant for any sort of government interaction. Mm-hmm. And you know, what can we do to help bridge the gap? Is, is there something that, that we can show and prove and say, hey, this you know, this is great. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, you know, you, we need a small strip of your private property, but this is what you're going to do for this area as a whole. And we're going to get the tourism and we want, we need people to come here and spend their money because, you know, otherwise the the people just keep leaving and we got to have reasons to get people back in rural areas because unfortunately they, they rely heavily on agricultural and tourism. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and I, I think there is some distrust of government too. And if that a pitch can be made by somebody local. And another thing I think that makes a big difference is that when trail is built and opens, um, in those areas, uh, that, um, one of the biggest challenges is when we have a really long area where there isn't any trail. And then people in that area are like, yeah, right. <laughs> Tell us about trail. I can't imagine it. And then finally you get that first two miles or something and, and it's like really popular and people love it and they see this isn't like a really scary thing. Um, I think those are these tipping points that make it so much easier. Sure. But you have really good signage up, right? I mean, people, you can drive around and you'll see if you're, if you're looking for it, you can see the MST emblems on the side of the road or the trailheads and... We're really working on that, trying to make it better, yeah, more and more. And the we one thing we have done, and maybe that you're mentioning, is that we put signs along the the road route so that it's like 
people are driving along and they're like, oh, yeah. what's that? Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think it'll help bring awareness to it at least. So tell me about what, what's a trail angel? I've heard the term trail angel. What is a trail angel and how does somebody become one? And a trail angel would not necessarily have to have direct access to the trail, right? But if in, you know, fairly close vicinity. Yeah. So a trail angel is um, a volunteer who helps, who's willing to help section and through hikers um, complete the, their, their trek. And on the MST, there are places where um, say maybe there may not be really good camping sites, or it might be that it would really help somebody to have some shuttling ability because they need to get to resupply or whatever. And so we have people who just volunteer to help um, help hikers like that. And they trail angels can say what they're willing to do. Um, and we put their names on names and contact information on the website so that if they change their mind, um, we can remove it and then they, they have they're not going to be called anymore. And um, and we really let the trail angels say what it is that they're offering. And there's a broad range. I mean, some people, well, we have, um, I'm just thinking of particular trail angels in Roseboro. They, um, they really said, well, we'll allow camping, we'll allow camping on our property. And then they were like, but I, I don't think they've ever actually let anybody camp. They say, oh, come on inside. <laughs> so it's like luxury as you, as you hike across the MST. That kind of thing. How many, uh, how many people have hiked it from start to finish? Um, I should figure out the new numbers, but it's probably, we're probably around 130, 140 now. That's not a lot. Yeah. That's not a lot. So interestingly, I think we've had more, um, more, the, it was that we, the, our highest year was like 14, and I think we're, we're surpassing that now. It's just, it's been really crazy with the, with the pandemic. We really tried to, um, for a little while, because, because people rely on trail angels, we were like, do not, try and do this now but it's easier and um trail angels are more comfortable helping vaccinated people and that sort of thing so sure. it's on an upsurge yeah. how long does it take um well if that, i wanted to start how long <laughs> would it take me start to finish uh, for most people it takes two to three months two to three months yeah. that's about what half the time it takes to do the appalachian trail yeah yeah and that's actually one of the reasons that people start looking into it it's like oh, i could do this and i could do it at different times of year whereas you're so with the at it's like you got to start right and, and yeah so what are what are surrounding states doing are they doing something similar i mean i think you know obviously north carolina is better than virginia and tennessee and south carolina but they may not know that or they may not think that what are they doing that could be similar are they doing something similar are they doing something that we should be doing so um Virginia has quite a few trail, long distance trails. I don't know that, I don't know about Tennessee having a long distance trail of sort of comparable, but the most comparable of the surrounding states is, um, um, South Carolina, which has what's called the Palmetto Trail, which is a, their version of the mountains to see. It's a smaller state, so it's a shorter trail, but it's the same kind of idea. Right. And they don't really, I mean, they have little mountains, but not, not quite like we do. So if somebody were moving to North Carolina, which there is a lot of, what would you tell them and how would you guide them to the Mountains to Sea Trail and get them to spend their time and money on the trail? 
Well, you know, um, I was mentioning that day hike guide. So if you were moving to North Carolina and you wanted to get a quick sense of what North Carolina is like, that day hike guide would actually be a really, really good way to do it because you would see everything from Cherokee to Jockey's Ridge State Park. I mean, it's really, really diverse. Um, and and it's all in these little pieces. And we try and give information, too, about, you know, what are the surrounding towns or places you might stay. That kind of thing. That'd be good. What are we going to do for the areas of the state that are not currently accessed by the MST? Are we going to uh, do alternate routes in order to pick up some of the parks or lakes maybe in the southern Piedmont or in the northeast, maybe like Merchant's Mill Pond or um, the Great Dismal Swamp? So one thing um, I think of in answering that question is that there, um, the North Carolina's, the Mountain Sea Trail is officially one of the official state trails of, the, of North Carolina. And now there are 11 of them. Um, and that the state has been adding them relatively quickly. It's it's the a trail becomes a state trail by vote of the legislature. And the legislature, for example, just pulled in two more this year. And those trails are sort of all over the state. And um the Mountains of Sea Trail is by far the longest of them. And we're getting interconnectivity to other trails like the American Tobacco Trail right. and Greenways, which are Right. Um, probably more prevalent in the more um, populated, populated areas. areas. Yeah, but so with the state trails, the eleven state trails, and then they're in the more urban areas, like in the in the Charlotte area. There's what's called the Carolina Thread Trail, which actually isn't just one trail; it's a whole network of trails. So it tends to be that when those trails are proposed and planned, if they're anywhere near the MST, one of the things that they try and do is like, how are we going to connect? Right, that we have that kind of we're the we're the backbone and people want to figure out how they're going to connect to us i think that's awesome i think that north carolina has a lot to offer uh diverse very diverse geography and i mean critters i mean we have you're going to see critters out on the trail right that you may not see i mean they have abundance of wildlife and deer and black bear and foxes and squirrels and turkeys and lots of things that you'll see that you may not see anywhere else yeah so what does the future look like for the mst and what does your future look like there's a rumor that you're going to retire next year and so what does your next chapter look like too um i am retiring um the the date we're talking about is april 11th which is the day after the gathering of friends that i mentioned at uh, lake Tunaluska. so if the gathering of the friends is really really good you might stay right <laughs> that's right i'll find some new way to exactly um <clears throat> well my husband's been retired for several years and we're just eager to spend more time together and, go, and hike and backpack and whatever um so he's looking for a camper van is what is but there are none available because of pandemic supply. So, um, and I'm one other thing to say. We have a good friend who um, she advised us that um, she said when she retired, she purposely didn't sign up for anything um, like really any big commitments for a year. And that's my plan. So I'm definitely going to like volunteer in small ways, but I'm not going to sign up for anything big for a while. Um, 
but the trail, I just feel like this is just such an exciting time for the trail. Um, and actually, that makes me feel a little bit like, yikes, um, this is a fun time to be leaving. Um, but what with our efforts to acquire land, um, we're also really focusing on trying to be just welcome um, more diverse people onto the trail. I think one thing about the pandemic that's really been wonderful to see is I, I feel like whenever I go hiking now, I see people of color on the trail, which didn't used to be. And it's just really, really wonderful. And um, and we're just really trying to be more welcoming and make a big point of that. Um, so those are two big initiatives that we have going on. Um, if you had to choose one favorite story, one thing that sticks out in your mind, if it be, it be uh, hiking the trail, working on the trail, uh, if you had to pick one story that was your favorite story, what would it be? So one... Uh, thing that was particular um, high point for me was when I was working to de- develop the trail route through the coastal plain, and I was working with a man um, who lives in a small town called Kelly. It's actually like a sort of a crossroads. It used to be a bigger town. It was right on. It's right on the Cape Fear River, Eastern Bladen County. Uh, it was a big agricultural area, but in recent years, you know, it's just population's been shrinking or whatever but he grew up there and just loves it loves it and loves the history of it and and he just loved the idea of the trail volunteered right away as a trail angel and he was worrying though for a very good reason about for hikers how are they going to get water there good water there Um, one thing about that part of the state is it's a lot of um, like if you go to a creek it's black water you know there's a lot of tannin in the water and so, um, very shallow groundwater table. So he, um, he was thinking, well, okay, I, when they get to me, I can get, get them water, but what's 10 miles down in each direction? And so, and he knew somebody 10 miles down in one direction, but he didn't know anybody down 10 miles in the next direction because it was a change in the county line. And the other thing about it was that it was a, his his community was majority white, and right down the line, it was really an African-American community, and he just didn't know them. Um, um, and so he, he drove there <clears throat> and saw a car in a driveway and knocked on the door and met a woman who was really his age in his 70s, um, and they had lived across the county line you know, in, in segregated times. And um, she said, sure, I'll consider that. And then he brought me to meet her and just sitting there talking with the two of them and the things that they, you know, just hearing them talk back and forth about their communities and her willingness to help. And it just felt to me like the trail bringing people together in this extraordinary way. I felt so honored to be there. Um, and so thankful and appreciative of these people being willing to do that. So. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that, I mean, this is <laughs> this is to preserve stories just like that. And I think North Carolina's people are what make North Carolina stand out. I mean, we have great natural resources, but the human resources are are particularly what stands out to me. Yeah. And uh, so, is, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that sort of tells the story of the the community that this trail is built. So 
and I'm so glad to be part of it and plan to continue being part of it even after right. I've retired officially. So. Okay. Well, I appreciate you doing this. This is the Mountains to Sea Trail, and uh, hopefully everybody listening will get out and hike a section uh, on the birthday coming up in September, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcast to be notified of new episodes. Remember to be on the lookout for new episodes at the first of every month. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review and comment on what you like the most. If you know someone who has a good story to tell or suggestions on how to improve, please email us at info at ncretold.com. Carolina.